Well, those are the four, but uh, here are the issues in apologetics. These four approaches to apologetics differ in many ways. In this book, uh, he says that uh, they say that we'll focus on uh, on a dozen critical issues that represent in a systematic way the full range of issues facing the apologists. So uh, here they are, but what do they do? And so here's where they're attempting to kind of uh, find the avenues of of uh, how to fit the 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 um, the the balls on the path of of okay wh where does this take us so uh, how do we how do we evaluate these these four methods and so they said that uh, these issues are divided into two groups of six issues each the first group deals with the um, uh, meta apologetic issue the foundations and questions about the stance apologetics should take towards human knowledge and experience and then the second group deals with the apologetic issues, the most common questions or objections that non-Christians or Christians dealing with doubt or confusion uh, raise to the uh, Christian truth and claim. And uh, uh, brace yourselves, we might be talking about evil from time to time as well. <laughs> yeah. Good. So they start off here with uh, in this distinction between meta-apologetics and, uh, you know, uh, apologetic uh, issues. Uh, with a meta-apologetic questions. Apologetics, they tell us, is a discipline that seeks to defend the Christian view of God, the world, and human life. As such, it relates comprehensively to every area of human knowledge of thought. Apologists understand these relations differently. These differences are typified in the stance taken by apologetics toward six questions that they want us to work through, and we'll see that uh, you know, each of these, they'll work through these questions with each of these methods. So as I mentioned before, there's a pattern here that they use over and over again. So this is one of the basis of that pattern, these various six questions, meta-apologetic questions that they're going to work through each of these uh, uh, particular perspectives. Right. So the first one, on what basis do we argue that Christianity is true? On the basis of what understanding of knowledge and truth should the Christian apologist seek to lead non-Christians to the knowledge of Christianity as the truth? Right, I think that's a, a, a good general uh, basic approach. Uh, uh, the, the, the question that we need to answer uh, within each of these scopes. The question is at the core of what distinguishes the four approach discussed in this book and the class of apologists seeks, sees reason as the ground of apologetic argument, but the evidentialist seeks to build the case for Christianity from just the facts. And the reform apologist contends that God's revelation of himself in Jesus Christ and in scripture is the proper grounds for all thinking about reason, facts, and human experience. And the fetus presents experience of God in Jesus Christ as self-justifying apart from the arguments. And these varying approaches are based on different epistemologies or theories of knowledge. How, how do we know things? And so, uh, again, it, these are these are kind of the, the four that they, they look at, and I think this does a good job of, of really distinguishing them the most uh, uh, among, among the others without um, having to, to clarify too much. So when we talk about these, these four approaches, um, I think this is a good um, avenue to take. And so on what basis do we argue that Christianity is the truth? Right. So that's the first question. Second question is, what is the relationship between apologetics and theology? Right. This question is important. They tell us in at least two ways. First, there's a significant debate concerning the theological foundation of apologetics. 
Should it be based in theology and scripture and that sort of thing? Everybody will say yes, but how is it based, right? What is the relationship of apologetics and theology? Uh, apologists disagree, they tell us, for example, about whether God's revelation in nature can be sufficiently understood by non-Christians to arrive at belief in God, right? We kind of saw this, uh, especially when we got to the uh, reform apologetic uh, position, right? Can the revelation really be sufficiently understood, right? Uh, or has sin so clouded our minds and mental processes that it really can? So right. this disagreement is closely tied to a debate over the effects of sin on our human beings. Right. So when we went through our John Frame book, we talked about the noetic effect of sin and and um, Frame made the case and uh, Van Til would make the case as well that the uh, noetic effect uh, has a great deal of impact on our reasoning, on our minds. Uh, uh, the renewing of our minds is, is what comes from uh, salvation as well as renewing of the heart. And so um, that that uh, for for kind of the reformed idea uh, of of that, uh, it plays a key part. But there are other also um, uh, theological persuasions that uh, emphasize it or de-emphasize it. And so um, uh, this uh, this question of where does apologetics and theology uh, commingle, or uh, where must they uh, uh, keep separate ties, is a good question to ask. Well, second, apologists hold uh, uh, different views about the relationship of apologetics as a discipline to the discipline of theology, particularly systematic theology. But some apologists view apologetics as a branch of theology, whether major or minor, while others regard it as a preparation for theology. So at what point does apologetics enter into the conversation? And so some people think that's what you have to start with first, and then you go into theology, and some view it as a kind of an offshoot of theology. So you have your theology, and from there, what do you do when it comes to unbelief? And so uh, um, uh, I think it's uh, Oliphant uh, who says that, uh, I, I may have the, the citation wrong, but, uh, but uh, the, the idea of apologetics is the application of, of God's word to unbelieving thought. So that's kind of the biblical definition for, for atheism there as well. So, yeah, um, sure. so how, how do we approach then uh, uh, theology in relationship to apologetics or vice versa, or are they handshakes? Are they, does, does priority matter? And so uh, each of these four will take a, a, a kind of a different approach to them. Right. Good. So question one, on what basis do we argue that Christianity is the truth? Question two, what is the relationship between apologetics and theology? Question three, they tell us, is uh, should apologetics engage in philosophical defense of the faith? So what, what um, a part does philosophy play with regard to apologetics? Kind of the, uh, the third issue that they want us to see. Mm -hmm. Apologetics is often viewed and practiced almost as if it were, uh, you know, a, a synonym or synonymous with a philosophy of religion. It's a discipline that seeks to apply the tools of philosophy to defending and uh, defining and proving keys of, uh, of Christianity. So, uh, you know, on the one hand, it's all about philosophy and the philosophy of religion, and that's what apologetics is all, all about. On the other hand, some apologists show great disdain for philosophy 
uh, regarding it as, notice, the enemy of Christian faith. So let's keep philosophy out of it. Right? Uh, meanwhile, other apologists, they tell us, have regarded uh, such efforts as inevitable compromising the Christian message that is supposedly being defended. So again, you know, we need to, so what part, what the, uh, does philosophy play? It's the question here with regard to the defense of the Christian faith. Now, they're going to have to give us kind of an, uh, you know, a divine philosophy for us, right? Search for wisdom, perhaps, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, we need to answer this question. Right. So right. that's the third question that they want us to see. The distinction, this, this third question brings about the distinction of each of these four positions. I think when people think of apologetics, I think uh, this may be the question that scares them away the most because, uh, you know, if we're talking about uh, P, then Q, if not P, then Q, uh, you know, <laughs> am, am I going to have to just look at these or uh, base theorem? I, I somehow take a historical um, account and I put it through some sort of uh, uh, math uh, algebraic uh, equation and out pops either a one or a zero and I'm supposed to go oh that 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 proves that God exists and so <laughs> yeah. uh, you know uh, he, here I think is where the scary part of of I think the one comes is the play. one that proves it when one pops well, out, one is it. one is good yes yep it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> binary Bi binary right. all the way down yeah <laughs> Well, then four, can science be used to defend the Christian faith is the next question. For many non-Christians today, science uh, poses the most formidable intellectual objections to the Christian faith. Yet Christian apologists differ markedly in their view of the proper stance to be taken towards science. Some embrace the findings of science enthusiastically, claiming to find in them direct confirmation of the Christian faith. Of course, it depends when you want to claim the science, but uh, that's, uh, that's a question that we'll uh, uncover. But others then take the opposite position, viewing science in general with suspicion regarding certain prevailing th theories of science as uh, inimical uh, to the Christian faith. So, and so we have the, you know, philosophy, where does philosophy come in? You know, where does, um, uh, you know, the, the relation between theology and, and um, uh, apologetics, and then science, and now fifth, history, right? The fifth question is, can the Christian faith be supported by historical inquiry? And uh, the diversity of views they tell us on science among apologetics is paralleled by a similar diversity concerning history. Some apologists take uh, the truth of the Christian message on its historical uh, verifiability. Right? And so others, while agreeing that the faith is based on historical events, place little emphasis on historical inquiry or warn, uh, you know, against believing that the central uh, events of redemption can be verified objectively according to the canons of historical study. So what's the place of history with regard to apologetics, right? So we have uh, philosophy, what's the place of philosophy, theology, and now history with regard to Apologetics. And again, what they're trying to help us see here is that in answering these six questions, uh, we see the distinctions between these various, these four various approaches to apologetics. Right. Well, and then the sixth and final question uh, that they're going to look at is how is our knowledge of Christian truth related to our experience? 
All human beings possess new information and ideas by relating them in some fashion to their own experience in life. Uh, when we read a book, again, uh, if, if, uh, if, if we have this uh, grandiose uh, as, as science fiction epic tale, uh, if, if the author is going to use words and phrases and concepts that you have no clue about, well, that, that book is useless to you. And so uh, there has to be some way that we um, take in new information ideas and then we relate them to kind of what we already know or what we experience. And so um, we come into conflict with our own thinking or we come into conflict with how to properly uh, view these new concepts or new ideas um, or uh, there are new ways to approach uh, what's presented to you as new ideas and new information. The fact necessitates uh, giving some consideration to how apologists should relate to experience. And some apologists seeks to analyze human experience in terms of universal truths in which the Christian message can be grounded. Now there's a skew argumentation about experience and instead call on non-Christians to experience God's love in Christ. So again, running the gamut of, of these, of, uh, uh, of human experience and, and how it relates to truth and knowledge and uh, experience. Uh, uh, it could be just psychological or it could be foundational depending on um, kind of what avenue of the four that uh, you would take or that someone takes. Right. Good. Yeah. And so they tell us that each of the four apologetic approaches answers these six uh, meta apologetic questions and how these answers may be integrated will be considered in the second chapter of each of the remaining parts of this book. So notice what they're doing here in this introduction, chapter three, is telling us how they're laying out the book. So for each of the four methods, the first portion will be a historical look at the particular method, and then they will look at how that particular method answers these six uh, meta-apologetic questions, right? So that's the, the second thing that, uh, that they'll do in, in, uh, in each of the sections of this particular book. Well, then there are uh, certain uh, apologetic questions. So the pr uh, preface introduced six common questions or objections to the Christian faith that are commonly brought up by non-Christians. And so each one they're going to look at, the one of the, each of the four, they're going to kind of present uh, to the table six uh, different claims or questions that uh, are kind of synonymous with um, apologetics, uh, uh, what an unbeliever might ask or what a uh, questioning uh, believer might ask. Uh, and so uh, these ones are to provide insight for how each method kind of takes these questions and answers them. And so the six are one, why should we uh, believe in the Bible? So uh, the, the, the foundational uh, guide that uh, each of these ones would claim uh, to be true, uh, uh, to, to, to be important to the Christian faith. How should we believe in the Bible? Two, don't all religions lead to God is the second question that all will answer. Three, how do we know that God exists? Probably uh, a, a big question uh, there that will uh, show the diversity of, of these four. Four, if God exists, uh, does uh, if God does exist, why does he permit evil? Again, always have to go back to the theodicy. Uh, it's uh, probably one of the biggest questions out there, so uh, uh, get used to talking about it. And five, aren't the miracles of the Bible spiritual myths or legend and not literal facts? So there's where kind of your history is coming into play there. And six, why should I believe what Christians claim about Jesus? So 
Uh, it could be uh, historical. It could be scientific. It could be uh, uh, foundational truths. It could just be uh, de fide. And so each of these, again, um, we'll have to answer these six questions. And again, uh, what, what Tony was talking about is the, the laying out of material. These six questions you'll find in each of these sections. So again, you just want to use this as a reference point and say, here's where we're going to um, look at fetism because I don't know too much about that out of all of them. Um, it's going to really lay out kind of who the, who the main people are, uh, what they say, and then um, uh, how, how does it interact with the six questions uh, previously and how does it uh, answer these questions as well. All right, and so that's how each of the four apologetics approaches uh, answers the, uh, the, you know, the six uh, apologetic questions raised here. And how these answers may be integrated will be considered, they tell us, in the third chapter of each of the remaining parts of this. So the first chapter is the historical. The second chapter deals with the meta-apologetic questions uh, that we looked at, you know, how this particular approach, let's say the... Um, you know, the classical approach, how it deals with the question of theology and philosophy and history and science and so forth. Those are the meta uh, uh, apologetic questions. And then finally, how does, for instance, the um, classical approach deal with the six questions? Why should we believe in the Bible? Don't all religions lead to God? How do we know that God exists? If God does exist, why does he commit evil, miracles, and then finally, Christian claims about Jesus? So that will take place they say in the third chapter of each of the sections of the four apologetic approaches. So that's kind of a basic introduction they give us here in chapter three uh, of the book. Right, right. And so uh, next time when we uh, kick off, uh, we'll look at the classical apologists. And uh, again, the, the two-step model there is, is prevalent and uh, it focuses on standing on reason. And so, uh, in chapter four, uh, we'll look at the people who um, who emphasize and who focus on reason as well. So that's what we'll do next time. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we uh, uh, again, we post every Monday the full episode. And then from there, we break it up into uh, smaller parts. And so uh, you can find those on YouTube and Odyssey and uh, uh, Rumble and also on the website, caveofthecross.com, where you'll find a whole slew of our um, our other nine books that we've done so far and uh, book reviews and just uh, question and answers uh, that uh, that we've we've uh, asked before and uh, guest appearances and, all, and stuff like that. So uh, you can check out everything on caveofthecross.com and uh, and sign up uh, through your podcatcher uh, through there. Um, RSS feeds on there as well if, if you have your own. And so uh, you can watch us, listen to us or just read about us. So. Uh, uh, different ways to, to interact and, and, and uh, bookmark those pages for what you view as important for, for later. And so uh, we'll kick off Classical Apologetics next time. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. See you next time.